Welcome to Married to History, where we try to be informative, entertaining, and family-friendly. Aloha, I'm Christopher. I have a fancy piece of paper on my wall that says that I know more about history than most people do. I'm Shirley. I'm a homeschool mom that relies on good curriculum, Christopher, and Google to teach our kids history. Hey, honey, I have a history question for you. I have a question first. Is Google a musical? Oh, my gosh. How many times have we been over this? My list of things I say in the intro rotates, and not all of them are musicals. Haven't they all been musicals? No, they haven't. I would swear they've all been musicals. I will read you my list. Horrible Histories. YouTube. Oh, yeah. Horrible DKI Histories. Witness you've books, said that. Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. You've said those two. Liberty's Kids. Google. I don't remember that. Oh, I remember Crash Liberty's course. Kids. And then all yeah. the musicals. Okay. Oh, my gosh. We have done 50 episodes. You realize we've done this for a year? Cool. Over 50 episodes. A full year. Well, technically, wouldn't it have to be 52 episodes to be a full yeah, year? Yeah, so we've done more than 52 episodes. Oh, cool. I think this is going to be what? Did I say? Cool. 55 or something. I don't remember what this is going to be. But yeah, a year and you still don't know what I do in my intro? It's not like, well, honey, we've been over this. I mean, you're a woman. Your contribution to history is not really worth mentioning. Do you want to get us canceled before we even gain an audience? I would hope that our audience would appreciate that I'm just having fun with you right now instead of being serious. Because blatant misogyny Aren't is Aren't I the so one that made fun. the case for women have contributed quite a bit to history? I suppose... One would have to go back and listen to that episode to know your true feelings on the matter. It's uh, it's unfortunately it's like many other things. Think about uh, think about all the players on. Oh my the, gosh, you're making this a lesson. On the basketball team, maybe they're you're using not a all the sports metaphor James, for me, but they, that they help. You're going to use a sports would be able metaphor. To win the game by himself. He needs his teammates, even if they don't get the glory or whatnot. They're still important. But I guess, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I guess on this program, we don't have to teach people things. Well, we can't say that because that's like our whole shtick. Which is why I'm kind of concerned with why you're like giving me the death eye when I started <laughs> talking. I have a history question. I love history questions. <laughs> and actually, this is a special treat because as you know, we have our niece staying with us. Yes. For the... For the day. One and, of my favorite nieces. Yes. And this morning when I told the kids that they would have to be quiet because we, we needed to record an episode, um, I think I said, hey, do you have any, do you have a question, a history question for Uncle Chris? And your children, <laughs> our children, were like, yeah, it can be something stupid. Oh, joy. <laughs> no, but... Our niece came up with a really good question. So here it is. Was Hitler a bad guy? <laughs> See, the snarky one in me wants to say a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of uh, other things, but See, even I can't get myself to sit down and tease that no uh, good good things there. All right. Hold on, yeah. hold on. Okay. <laughs> I do have an actual question for you. Okay, well, first off, let me answer the one from my niece. No, he was not. <laughs> he was not a bad guy? Oh, wait, hold on. What was the question again? Was he a bad guy? Sorry, yes, what he was I a bad ask? guy. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. remember how you asked the question. Was I was he, thinking, was no, he, he was not a good guy. Yes, was he, he was a, a bad person? guy. 
Was he a good person? It is entirely possible that a younger stage in his life, he might have been a decent fellow. (laughs) But definitely towards the end, no, he was a bad man whose decisions Mm -hmm. caused an awful lot of death and destruction. Absolutely. Okay, so I do have an actual question, because, of course, that was so ridiculous. Oh, I assume we were going to talk about Hitler for this episode. Okay. No, we don't have to. I have a question from Cortis. Cool. He wanted to know, is it called Germany because it has many germs? <laughs> that question is so much better. Yes, <laughs> Germany is a land that is filled with horrible, horrible germs, particularly the germ of Nazism came out of Germany. <laughs> right, so, it's yes, a virus. <laughs> G- Germany is an awfully germy, Germany place. <laughs> it has many germs. It's germ filled. So virus. no, it is not called Germany because of the germs. In fact, in Germany they don't even call it Germany. Mm-hmm. In Germany, the people call. Or I believe this is still true. I might be wrong now, but I believe in Germany they refer to their country as Deutschland. They yeah. refer to themselves as Deutsch because mm-hmm. Deutschland literally means the land of the Deutsch. So it's not unlike Scotland or yeah. Ireland. Yeah. Okay. But Iceland, like, Greenland. This is something that I will never understand about language why do we call it don't don't answer yet why do we call it germany the name of the country is deutschland i can say deutschland it's not like maybe i'm not pronouncing it exactly like a person from germany would say it Mm -hmm. but i can get pretty close it's not like the word deutschland uses syllables that i am incapable of producing why don't i call it deutschland if my name is shirley and I go to another country and they try to call me Sally because they don't know the name Shirley. Sally isn't my name. Shirley is. So I would expect them to get as close as they can to the name Shirley, not make up something completely new just because they're unfamiliar with it. So like I have strong feelings about this and I don't get it. If your name is Santiago, and you come to my English-speaking country, I'm going to call you Santiago. I'm not going to call you James. Because James isn't your name. Santiago is. And I think we've had this discussion before. But why do we call it Germany instead of Deutschland? All right. So um, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I'm darn certain about this. Mm -hmm. Okay, so first off, um, so Germany has not always been a unified country. Throughout much of our history, it's been... Uh, at best a loose or a, a scattered gathering of co- confederacies different independent okay. cultures that all kind of belo- that all had a lot of things in common like their languages and their practices especially as time went on they got more yeah. and more in common which allowed germany to unify as easily as it did at the tail end of the 1800s right but before that it was not a single one land so the so to the best of my knowledge nobody called it deutschland at any point during all that time oh. it, it's possible that they might have referred to it as deutschland but since there was no one country uh-huh. i i know of no sources that that have ever said that it was called deutschland by the people before germany in the 1860s comes into being 1860s uh, i want to say 1867 is when germany becomes germany i might be it might have been later in the 1800s 
Okay. I don't remember the exact year off the top of my head, but so yeah, Germany does not become Germany until in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. It is the uh, conquered isn't the completely accurate word Unified. through a, through a mixture of conquest and uh, unification. The nation that was Prussia will mm-hmm. unite, absorb all of the German territories or all of okay. the Deutsch people into one nation and Prussia will cease to exist at that point begin calling it, or rather we will begin calling it the German Empire wait um, why did they change wait okay so Prussia existed Prussia did exist for Prussia's a time. like dude look at all this land that hasn't been unified or taken by any other empire it's ours now now let's change our name. So there, there was a lot more to it than that. There and always th- is. Th- this is where Otto von Bismarck uh, makes the case for being arguably one of the smartest, most brilliant, insanely gifted, talented guys that has ever lived. Okay. But anyway, that so that that's how Germany comes into being what it is today. Okay. And to the best of my knowledge, that's the earliest point at which like the German people, the people living in these areas. Refer to themselves, refer to the land as Deutschland. But again, I might be wrong on that. Okay. But anyway, getting back to your question of yes. where does the name come from, to the, the German name come from, to the best of my knowledge, that's the name that was given to these people by the Romans. And that's why it persists oh, in it our culture. Because we, re, we refer, reference it all the way back. And of course, the German people probably never referred to themselves by anything that the Romans ever called them uh-huh. because the Romans were never able to conquer Germany. They made a lot oh. of, they, they made a lot of, uh, uh, they made a lot of, uh, what's the word, I'm, penetrations know. in. They would mm-hmm. get into parts of Germany for a while, but they never conquered the whole thing. Ah. For the entirety of uh, Rome's, uh, even in Rome's prime, they mm-hmm. were never able to completely conquer what is today Germany. Cool. And in fact, it was the German, a lot of German tribes that were the ultimate defeat of Rome. It's Germans really? that sack, it's a German tribe that sacks Rome. I know I've told you about this. Do you know where we get the word vandalized from? From the Vandals. Yes, a Germanic tribe called the Vandals uh, who sacked Rome uh, around about 450, I think, 450, 453, sometime around there. Nice. They're the ones that sacked Rome. This is where we get the word vandalize from. When we talk about, That's oh, really destroying cool. something beyond measure, yeah, you vandalize it. You did what the Vandals did to Rome. That's really cool. So yes, okay. the, I believe that is where we get the name Germany from and why we call everything yeah. uh, about Germany, Germany instead of Deutsch. But, like, the Roman Empire's been gone a really long time. And yet our buildings still really, have really columns long. and domes, and yet we still yeah, have a Latin-based cool. language. Right, okay, so, like, the architecture is not a good example. So you said Those cool. look cool, and they're practical. The word you're looking for is classic. When yes. we say classic, at yeah. least in most yeah. cases, we are referring to the Roman era. Right. But, like... Okay, continue. <laughs> no, that was, that, I believe I answered okay, so, your question. So why did the Romans call them Germans? Like, what does that mean? I honestly I don't. It's Latin or something. I honestly don't know why the Romans called them Germans. Why did the Romans call people that weren't Romans uh, barbarians? I know so you that, know the answer to well, that. Well, yeah, I know the answer to that. Or at least if I remember correctly, I know the answer to that. I believe because of barbarian. So Romans wore uh, Romans wore tunas, tunas, <laughs> tunics and togas eventually. Right. They didn't wear pants. Uh, if I remember correctly, barbarian is, or the, at least the Roman word for it, not taken. I, I think barbarian is the word, or at least the 
barbarian had a Roman root. The Roman word for people that weren't Roman were, mm-hmm. was the pants wearers. So barbarian means people that wore pants or people that wore trousers instead of the tunics and eventually togas. I love that. They're just pants wearers. Yes, I one of these days, I probably should look that up to find out if that's true. I kind of just took the... You have been spreading I that took, I took so the long. professor who told me that. I took his his uh, story to heart on that, oh. and I just never bothered to do the research myself. Was it Wrightson, though? No, Wrightson didn't tell me that. This oh, because um, I would trust him. No, this was my Latin teacher, who, uh, now that I think about it, arguably, yes, I should have looked that up, because he was questionable on some, really? some matters of his sanity. Don't get me wrong. I loved Mr. Emerdino. He was funny, but... Sometimes I wasn't quite sure what uh, what was going on in his head. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay, I'm looking it up. I'm trying to figure out why the Romans called it German name. So it might be that there's no known answer. Why did why do some people why does anybody or any place get the name that it does? Right, sometimes like, it was sometimes... just somebody randomly, the first guy that showed up to this area just said, hey, I'm going to call it this for whatever reason. Like, right. like we read about this in uh, in scripture when um, people came to this place or went to that place and they called these people, they called this land, this or that. And, and I've thought to myself that, okay, so you, you named it and you mm-hmm. gave me the reason for naming it. But me and my ignorance, like for your reasons... It's not the name I would have picked for this thing, but okay. Right. Well, and I think more relevantly, like sometimes you make up a word. We're going to call this gobbledygook. The word gobbledygook doesn't mean anything. It's just a collection of interesting sounds. But sometimes they like, I would assume Germany has a root in a Latin word already. I'm looking it up. Perhaps. Oh, and then when you said that, that reminded me. So in my uh, in my days of my ambitions of becoming a writer, I was always having to create new names for characters yeah. and places and things of that nature. Sometimes I would literally just create some gobbledygook, as you mm-hmm. will, as like a placeholder until I thought of something cooler. Yeah. But as time went on, some of those gobbledygooks yeah. I came up with just stuck. It grows on you. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is from a website called smartergerman.com. It says, the term Germania itself was used more as a catch-all for the collectives of people who lived beyond the Roman borders on the Rhine. Mm-hmm. The Germani Cisrenani, I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, literally meaning this side of the Rhine. Cool. Or diverse Cool. All right. Cultures. So, yeah, I never knew that, that it meant, all right, the people that were on the opposite side of the Rhine for the yeah. Romans. Cool. See, you learn something new every day. But still, we should call it Deutschland. So what does Deutsch mean? Why do they call themselves the Deutsch people? That's their that's their their identity for their people, the Deutsch people. Why why do why did Americans once why do we call ourselves Americans? Because our why country did, is called America. Okay, well, their culture, <laughs> their people are the Deutsch people. And we're call, it's America because of Amerigo's Vespucci. So like we have a clear root. I want to know what the root of Deutsch is. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do not have the answer that you seek. I do not know what the root are. So you let I, me down. I have I have suspected. I don't know if anybody's ever done a study that because of the mm-hmm. because of the closeness of their names that Danish and Deutsch are not that far removed from each other. I don't know. But I I can like um for example, I know that um in uh, so uh, you know how every every name has or not every name. There's several cultures have that 
part in their name where it's Mick or Day or Vaughn yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So the Danish van and in Germany it's Vaughn. So it's only oh. a very slight removal of the two, and they sound just in general their names sound so much alike, Dane and Deutsch. So I suspect that there is some connection there, but mm-hmm. whether that's before the Romans named them, after the Romans named mm-hmm. them, how, how deep the divide is, if they ever were connected in the first place, I, I don't know those things. Yeah, you should know everything. Um, Once again, I me. feel the need to point out, I know f- so much <laughs> and far more than you did before you hopped on the Google there. I and I want to point out again that I was right, even if I didn't understand every little nuance mm-hmm. of why I was correct in what I knew. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do know something I cannot say with 100% confidence that it's true. But, so you've heard of, like, the Pennsylvania Dutch? Yes. Like, Dwight speaks it in the office. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's German. No, because, yes. That, that doesn't mean the office was wrong. The I didn't language... say they were wrong. Okay, so... Your attitude you're giving Sorry. me. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so the language Pennsylvania Dutch isn't Dutch from Holland. It's German. It's based in German, not in Dutch. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that confusion with Deutsch. Deutsch sounds like Dutch, but it's not the same as the Dutch language that they speak in Holland. Mm-hmm. So basically people are stupid and we confuse things. Yeah, it happens a lot. <laughs> A lot. Okay, so tell me more about Germany. Like, how did it become a country? So Prussia takes over this land, unites it. Uh, so, um, uh, it's, uh, so it's very. It, I I kid you not. It's very complicated because so it, it, Germany exists, it always is complicated. Germany existing as it does today is, I think, without any doubt, uh-huh. the the due to the efforts of Otto von Bismarck, who. I, like I said her already, is arguably one of the most uh-huh. brilliant, clever people that have ever lived. He, okay. He's one of the people that's on my little poster wall there because yeah. he's, just, uh, he's just awesome. And uh, in Civilizations, when mm-hmm. uh, almost, uh, almost... It's a video every game. Time, almost every time that uh, Germany is a playable mm-hmm. option, Otto von Bismarck is the character, and rightly so. Yeah. Dude is awesome, and I play him almost any time that I can. All right. Awesome. And this is pre-Nazi. Yes, this is long before the Nazis, because Germany doesn't even exist at this point. Got it, got it. So, uh, Otto von Bismarck becomes uh, Chancellor of Prussia. He's working for King William the... I don't remember what what William's title is at the time. Or I'm calling him William. His name is Wilhelm. Yeah, see, don't change his name. His name isn't William. It's Wilhelm. All right. So, d- under these very clever plans that Bismarck comes up with, with making alliances, with mm-hmm. being prepared to stab some of these alliances in the back, uh. with making uh, d- d- deals um, and plotting military strategies, and very important also, learning from the Civil War. Bismarck stu- so the, Wait, our Civil War? Yes, the American Civil War. So, the, Bismarck embarks on this operation uh-huh. in the late 1860s. I believe 1867 is the time when he gets this started, or okay. the time when he finishes it. Yeah, I think it's the time he gets this started. Okay. Um, oh, no, 67 might have been in the middle of it. 
Okay, sorry, I'm getting all distracted. Anyway, <laughs> Should I Google it? Anyway, I know that Bismarck has, amongst other things, studied the American Civil War, so he learns a lot of very mm-hmm. important lessons from that. He learns about proper troop movement. He learns about how to use trains to facilitate supply lines and troop what? movement. He learns about which weapons to use, uh-huh. which tactics to use. And he does all of this very brilliantly. He modernizes the Prussian army so that it is arguably, while still not gigantic, the most effective military force that exists on Europe at the time. Uh And again, using all of these things, he's able to unite Germany kind of like this. There's there's basically three phases of this, the three different wars, I like to call them. The first one, uh, I, I keep forgetting how to pronounce it. I want to say it's called the Second Auschwitz War or something like that. Okay. This is a war where um, the where uh, Denmark does not exist as we know it. Uh-huh. It's, um, uh, it's, uh, there are some territories that are, uh, that, that's not the right way to say it either. There's ter- the land of Denmark is divided into several holdings. There Got are it. locals that are there that have their own kingdoms. Austria has some claim to those areas. Prussia has some claim to those areas as well. Okay. And Otto von Bismarck is going to go to Austria and say, hey, let's, let's settle this man right now. Let's you and I, we'll go in there, we'll attack this place, and we'll take Denmark and we'll split the spoils between us. Austria says, okay. yeah, sounds like a plan. So they do that. They conquer Denmark, yeah. all right, and they split the spoils between them. But... A couple of years go by, uh, and then Otto von Bismarck says, "Hey, Austria, we want the whole kit and caboodle." So there's yeah. the Frank and there's the Austro-Prussian War. The two of them okay. fight it out, and Germany gets, or sorry, Prussia, Prussia gets all of the territory that it was supposedly splitting with Austria, and also. Uh-huh. Uh, Bismarck makes a couple of alliances with some of the local, still independent kingdoms that mm-hmm. exist in the German territories at this time. And so Prussia now effectively controls the northern half of what will eventually become Germany at this point in time. But the southern half of uh, Germany, of what will eventually be Germany, yeah. is populated mostly by Bavaria and I want to say the other kingdoms called Wurt- Wurttemberg. Um, I might be remembering that name wrong. No idea. But one of the problems with those two is that they are both Catholic, and because they are Catholic, not Protestant, right. they are allied and they have guarantees rather with France because mm-hmm. France is doesn't want Germany to. Without exception, one thing that everybody in Europe can agree upon is that they don't want Germany to unite. To okay. uh, uh, let me back up a little bit Why more here. Why do they here. care? Germans like in the middle of the. So I I need I need to back up a little bit more here to to I think properly explain the situation. Okay. So the most lasting thing that the French Revolution in the beginning of the mm-hmm. at the end of the seventeen hundreds beginning of the eighteen hundreds spreads across Europe. Mm-hmm. The most lasting thing is the spirit of nationalism. Okay. Uh, this idea that hey we should form our own nation we should be our own rulers kind of a thing that that really doesn't exist throughout Europe until the French mm-hmm. Revolution spreads that idea around to people. So after Napoleon is defeated and the French Revolution is over uh, at a Council of Vienna, the major powers of Europe, the ones that contributed to defeating Napoleon, so uh-huh. Prussia and Britain. Uh, uh, I don't remember if Russia gets invited. I think they do, and and others, and Austria is there. Okay. All basically decide, all right, let's put Europe back to the way it was before the French Revolution and before Napoleon did anything bad. So they put everything back to the way it was. One of the problems with that is a lot of the people who are living in these places, right. having gotten that taste of nationalism, as corrupt as uh-huh. it was under Napoleonic rule, a lot of them were like, we don't want the old order back. We don't want our old right. kings and queens back. And so there are rebellions, there are revolts. 
And um, the two biggest, most significant ones are going to be in Italy and in Germany. Mm. Both Italy and Germany are not nations at this time, at uh, at this point in history. They've never been united. Uh, Italy hasn't been united since the fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Germany has never been united, arguably during the whole of Roman Empire. But that's a, another story. <laughs> Different. I, I prefer to say that Germany has never been united. Uh, but the, so. but these are peoples with similar cultures and language. But yeah, that and that's one of the things that really helps. It. Their their languages are similar. Their cultures are similar. They've been existing as independent city states or whatnot. Uh-huh. And something else that I think gets thrown into the mix to help them out is mm-hmm. that France and Austria and some of the bigger players have been fighting a lot of their wars on them and over oh. them during this time. So there's a little bit of an added resentment, I think. Yeah, there. makes sense. All right, so Italy is the first to begin its unification. Its efforts start in about the 1840s. Uh-huh. And believe it or not, Italy is going to succeed in its unification thanks largely to Germany. So a part of the Italian national territory is controlled by Austria. So it's okay. fighting a war with Austria. Well, Austria backs off and makes a deal with Italy because now the Austro-Prussian War has begun. Uh-huh. And Austria sees that oh, Prussia is more of a threat to us. So, all right, we're going to leave Italy alone and Italy at the end of their war, get kind of a freebie out of Uh Austria because Austria wants to make a quick deal to end that fighting. So, and uh, then Italy's unification still isn't over at this point because they now Italy gets basically everything but Rome. Rome has the backing of France. There's a French army in Rome, and the Pope is resistant. He doesn't want to unify. But... He, the Pope was on the side of unification for Italy until he found out they were going to unify it as a secular state, and then he said, oh, it well, then peace out. Him. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. So a French army is keeping the Italians from completely unifying uh, mm. towards the end of their revolution. But as I said, now going back to Germany. So Germany is infected with the spirit Germany, of unification. Germany, Prussia, Deutschland, that's what yep. we're talking about. So, but again, there. So, uh, Prussia has all the northern territories and the alliances it needs for unification, uh-huh. but the southern portions are still holding out, and they've got a backing with France. Thus begins the Franco-Prussian War. I've heard of that one. Now, this helps Italy because, again, France, like Austria before, it says, "Oh, Prussia is the bigger problem." So, Pope, peace out. We need our soldiers back. And Italy again gets kind of a freebie. Oh. The Pope is is forced to surrender because he can't fight off the Italian unification at this point. Oh dang! So, Italy gets unified before germany does now going back to germany with the franco-prussian war the french uh, rather understandably believe that uh, in the spirit of old napoleon that ugh, the prussians we can kick their trash we've done mm-hmm. it before and just march on in but again bismarck has learned bismarck has better rifles he has more experience with his armies mm-hmm. and the franco the franco-prussian sorry the prussian <laughs> army literally devastates, humiliates the French army in this war. I don't remember how long it lasts, but it's a very short war. The Uh Prussians are able to capture Bavaria, capture Württemberg, capture all the German territories, capture the Alsace-Lorraine territory, which is going to be a very big sticking point for Germany and and France Uh throughout World War I and World War II. And I kid you not, how bad is this war for the French? The French are forced to sign the documents recognizing that the Prussians control all this territory yeah. in France, in Versailles. They are forced to surrender. They're not surrendering France, yeah, but, but they are forced to admit fire. that we lost to you in their own capital. 
That's embarrassing. That does seem and like the a French deal. will not let this go. This is the major animosity between the French and the yeah. Germans that will, I kid you not, be largely responsible for some of the events that lead up to World War One and into World War Two as well. This just oh bitter, bitter, bitter hatred that the French have towards the Germans to but say like, nothing about whatever hatred the Germans might have already had to the French. Well, like a generation has passed by then. Like, why can't anyone grow up and move on? Honey, how many generations have passed since slavery was outlawed in the United States? That's a bad example. Okay, uh, let me think of a different no, one. No, it doesn't gonna... matter. It's it's re- it's rhetorical. But, no, I was going to say something else. Okay, but, yeah, so why was it signed in France? Because they usually do that in a neutral third-party ground. Yes, unless you were conquered. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now again, I want to point out that Germany did not conquer France. Yeah. Audubon Bismarck did not conquer France at them. this time. But yeah, they trounced them. Dang. So signing the peace treaty in a neutral country is yeah a cool deal. Signing the peace treaty in the defeated person place's capital uh-huh. means you lost. Yeah, this wasn't some oh we got together and decided on this thing. This was a no you lost. Dang yeah that's that's a big show of power. Yeah. So and to to go off of there to to explain how this is this embarrassment thing is going to go back and forth. Yeah. So uh, eventually, you know that World War One is going to start. Eventually, uh-huh. Germany is going to lose, and the French are going to make the are going to be uh, rather mean i think to the german ambassadors when they show up uh-huh. the french are gonna meet and they're gonna meet with the german ambassadors in a train car and the french are basically gonna say you're gonna sign this deal the germans are gonna take a look at this and say this is kind of a bad deal we're not surrendering we said we wanted to sue for peace we wanted to meet and have a talk about okay. peace and the french basically say no you're gonna sign this bad deal right now or else we're gonna just go in and mow you down so the Germans really have no choice, and so they're kind of like have their arms just. Yeah. So for the French, this is a cool thing because yeah, we got our revenge back. We embarrassed the Germans. But... We got our territory back that we lost during the Franco-Prussian War. <laughs> and then in World War Two, when France Germans do the when same. France surrenders, I kid you not, Hitler tracks down that very same <gasps> rail car and makes the French the exact same deal. You're gonna sign this bad oh deal right gosh. now, or else my tanks are gonna roll in. It's so stupid. There's a lot of bitter rivalry. I I swear, if it hadn't been for Stalin in the Cold War, France and Germany might still be at each other's throats. So to to kind of go further on that, throughout history, much of history, France and Britain have been bitter, bitter, bitter enemies. They've hated each other. Yeah. But then Germany came into being, and all of a sudden they're friends. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I've often I've often used this kind of example whenever this whenever this subject comes up and I'm teaching my students about the unification because given uh, and I think any student any any person anywhere in the world can understand mm-hmm. this. Let's compare Europe to a playground yep. or, or to a school or a playground, and there's. All, all the kids are on the playground. They all have their own cliques. There's mm-hmm. kind of a, an, if there aren't official rules, there's at least the unspoken rules of what goes on on the playground, what goes on yeah. in the school. Then all of a sudden, new kids show up. Yeah. What do you do? Well, you got to make sure you put, you got to assess those new kids, find out, all right, what are they doing? You got to make sure you put those mm-hmm. new kids in their place so they know what the rules are. They don't mess with the culture. Yeah. France and Britain and Austria and a couple of other players have established a culture in Europe mm-hmm. for hundreds of years. And now all of a sudden, this uppity Italian and German kids be coming along. Mm-hmm. They oh, they don't like that Italian kid. It's like, we got rid of you a long time ago. What you doing back here? Yeah. They definitely don't like that German kid because not only is he, is he a new kid, so they already don't like him, mm-hmm. but 
He's big and bad. He's strong. He's buff. Germany has excellent resources and an Mm -hmm. excellent industrial base. Their unification doesn't just mean that, oh, there's another big political player in Europe. That means that there's another big industrial and Mm -hmm. thus economic rival in Europe as well. Okay. This is what's going to really earn the ire of Britain in particular because Germany is going to make no bones about it shortly after unifying. They're going to... the the German Emperor Kaiser, now Kaiser Wilhelm I instead of King, okay, uh, is going to make some efforts to expand Germany's navy, specifically with the intent of being able to compete with the British navy. Right. So, uh, so this is another area in which Bismarck becomes absolute or displays that his absolute brilliance. Bismarck knows that all of this is true. He knows he's the new kid on the playground. Uh-huh. He knows that Germany is the new kid on the playground. Uh-huh. He knows that the Austrians hate them because after all he betrayed them and there was the war. He knows yeah. the French don't like him because after all he embarrassed them and there was a war. And he knows yeah. that Britain is going to think of them as a rival. Mm-hmm. He knows that Russia is also on their boundary and Russia and Prussia don't have a good history uh, with each other either. Okay. So he knows that he he is surrounded on all sides by enemies. The closest thing they have mm-hmm. to friends are the Italians, but they don't have a border with the Italians Got at this it. point in history. So he comes up with a brilliant system of alliances, making deals with Russia and Austria and France, believe it or not, and what? even Britain to a small degree, to guarantee Germany's independence. Basically, he's able to make deals with all of them because uh, a lot of them, like Russia and Austria, for example, are still afraid of France. They, because they remember the Napoleonic yeah. Wars. They do not trust France. Italy doesn't have much reason to trust France. doesn't trust Austria either. So Germany is able to make kind of an alliance with you. It's like, hey, we don't like these guys either. So mutual respect, mutual uh-huh. assurance for security or whatnot. Russia and Austria, again, they want Germany as a buffer zone against French invasion. So he's able to make peaceful deals with them. France the same way. France doesn't yeah. like Germany, but France doesn't want more problems with Italy or, Austria or Russia and Britain too. So he's able to make some good enough deals with Uh these nations to protect Germany specifically from France. That's the one that he wants to, that he's scared of the most. How do you protect yourself from France and also make an alliance with them? I don't. I I misspoke. He doesn't, I misspoke. He's not making alliances with France. He's making deals to, to mitigate the threat. Okay. But still in his mind, the biggest threat to Germany is a two front war. Mm -hmm. He has no doubt that if there is a two front war, France is going to be an enemy. That Mm -hmm. is, that is not going to change. But if he can stop anybody on the opposite side of Germany from joining France, yeah. then that's a good thing for Germany. Um, so, like I said, he did, there, there's so many details to this that I, I don't think I could remember all of them if I tried. Mm-hmm. But he, it's a brilliant system, and it works, and it works very well. Bismarck has not only unified Germany, but he has, through these alliances, through this diplomacy, mm-hmm. guaranteed that Germany will not have to fight a two-front war and will cool. be able to endure despite whatever problems might be going on with all of its neighbors. But Mm -hmm. Kaiser Wilhelm dies, and his son, Kaiser Wilhelm II, comes into being. Wait, but is Bismarck still around? Bismarck is still around. Yeah, Bismarck is still the chancellor. But Wilhelm II... Uh, I don't remember if it's, there was something personal between them or if it was Wilhelm II's friends and associates uh-huh. didn't like Bismarck. They saw him as a political rival. For whatever the reasons are, Wilhelm II does not heed Bismarck's advice and counsel. Uh-huh. Eventually pushes Bismarck. I don't think Bismarck is ever officially fired, but he does push mm-hmm. Bismarck farther and farther away. And Wilhelm does not renew these treaties, the most important of which was one with Russia, which prevented which prevented Russia from going to France. So 
Russia is concerned about being invaded. Russia needs allies. It thought it had allies in Germany. All of a sudden, Germany doesn't want to be your ally anymore. So who's Russia going to go to? Well, not Austria, because Austria is an enemy. They're competing for the falling Ottoman Empire territories. Not the Ottoman Empire, because, well, you're competing for their territories, and they're falling. They're not going to be a help. So who's Russia left to turn to? Oh, France. Oh, my god! And that begins the alliance system that will eventually become the Triple Alliance versus the Triple Entente in uh, World War One. Wow. Yeah, because because Wilhelm and there were other bad things that Wilhelm the Second is going to do, but I think that one was the most the most destructive for Germany or the bat and the the worst one for Germany's fate is because Wilhelm did not renew that treaty with Russia. Russia is forced to go looking for other allies and does exactly what Bismarck knew is the worst possible thing that can happen. Yeah. Makes its ally with the people on the opposite side of Germany. Shoot. And sure enough, Germany couldn't keep up with it. Though I want to put Germany did actually very well in the two front war during yeah. the, during World War One, mostly because. But they did lose. They did lose, but mostly it turned out that the reason why they did so well fighting a two front war is because the Russian army was just a joke. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so uh, the Germany's during World War One, Germany's elite soldiers or the the cream of the crop went to go mm-hmm. fight on the Western fronts against France and Britain. Okay. The guys that were not not to say that there weren't good guys on the eastern front too but the eastern front is where they sent more of their less uh, than elite soldiers the the overweight guys the guys with glasses things of that nature and yet they were kicking the russians as butt. The, the the russians ultimately never had a chance it was just embarrassing how badly the russians lost that war oh my gosh wow okay well i'm gonna stop you there okay because that do, was do we answer your question what was this question uh oh, our first question was... it was just how they got the name right well yeah, our niece wanted to know if Hitler was a good person. He was not. That was that was. Easy. If I misspoke earlier, I apologize. He well, was not a good person. I I was probably me. I don't remember how I asked you the first time. Um, and then Cortis wanted to know if Germany got its name because it was full of germs. No. So we answered. So I do believe that. To be fair, I think there were a number of good uh, uh, discoveries in the German. Germology, what's the scientific <laughs> word for that? Uh, Epidemiology. There, there, there were plenty of good. So Germany had a lot of Virology. universities, a lot of good educational facilities. Another one of the reasons why it's a threat if it all becomes mm. unified. So I, I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if a lot of good developments in medicine and dealing with germs came out of Germany or German educations. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, the history of the unification of Germany is fascinating. It is. It's a cool story. All I have to say is Europe is messed up and it's so complicated and there's just so much. Well, think, think about it like this. You know, t- take a big family. You know, big families, there's, there's a lot of drama, right? Yeah. Now, do I? Do I know? Do I know big family drama? Do now, I? Now think about a big family. <laughs> that has been in close proximity to each other for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And the cousins are just, just <laughs> the cousins aren't even literally aren't even speaking the same language anymore. Yeah. But they're still also tightly packed together. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's wrong to say that my siblings and I and our parents have gotten along better now that we've spread around the country. <laughs> Love my siblings. And if any of them listen to this, they should tell me. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. 
If you liked what you heard, then please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to hear a future episode with more information about today's topic, contact us on Gmail, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at Married to History Pod. Also, please contact us if you have a silly question idea or if there's something from history that you would love to learn about. Just be sure to specify in your message if it's silly or serious because we don't want to treat a genuine quest for knowledge as a joke. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye bye. Yeah, you could get a flat tire two days after you buy new tires. But not in one of the new tires. That's an important feature. Well, I wonder though, is it better? Would it have been better for me to get a flat tire in the new tires? Because then like, I'm sure they're under warranty. But now I have to buy a third tire. So stupid. But I'm not bitter. I'm grateful for the things that we have. Yeah. Are you trying to convince me to convince yourself or convince <laughs> your heavenly father? I'm trying to convince myself. <laughs>